0: An important note from space. The Martians plan to throw a dance for all the human race.'re here already You're next You've gotta be fucking kidding. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. We're here with another top 10 episode. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'm joined by Adam over Zoom in America, or as I like to call him, the Bear Whisperer. Oh, yes. Uh, hello. Uh, greetings, Earthlings. Um, you, yeah, it sounds like when you say we're here with another top 10 episode, it's like this episode is going to be in the top 10 of the episodes that we've ever done. But who knows? It might be. Um, hi, how's it going? How's it going? I'm good. How are you? How's it going? I'm good. You 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 speak strangely. Okay, yeah, I'm well. I've survived my encounter with the bear. Do, do you want me to tell people about? It? I've told you already. Do you yeah, want? Yeah, you to were tell telling me people? it was hilarious, and I want you to tell other people about it. H- hilarious. Um, oh, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> the bear. Yeah. So I uh, last week I was running, um, as you do, and I come back and I'm basically you know on the cusp of like having a heart attack and sweating and just like, blah, and it's hot and humid and I'm walking around outside of my house and I'm not wearing my glasses, so. Um, I, um, I can't see so well and I see something out of my peripheral vision. I turn around and across the street from me in someone else's driveway is a bear. And the bear is, yeah, it's a big bear. It's, it's a black bear. Uh, so not a grizzly because otherwise I probably wouldn't be uh, able to <laughs> record this podcast. Um, but, um, you know, and they can't see really well either. So the bear, apparently I'd learned this subsequently, black bears have terrible eyesight. So the bear looks at me, he's like, fuck and I'm like the fuck and then both of us at the same time like Jesus (laughs) and and I basically like I don't know I didn't run because I know you're not supposed to run with bears but I I was about 15 feet from my front door and I think I covered that distance in about a second. Uh, and was I didn't even have time to take a picture. And the bear was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Uh, Because he just got caught being a bear. You know, he's like, I caught him red handed just bearing around in the neighborhood where you know, he has no business. No, no bear business anyway. And um, yeah, I mean, he he or she, but I'm guessing it was a, I would guess it was a he because there were no cubs. But then I don't know. Um, so yeah, so I saw a bear. I live in the wilderness. Yeah, I never knew that you actually have bears in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We saw some. We did actually see some cubs who were very adorable in the in the car when we were driving around. Um, uh, we didn't know where the mother was, so we were like, "Stay in the vehicle." Um, but, um, but yeah, they're 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 all over the place, um, and they're really funny looking. They look like people inside a bear suit. Like that's the only way I can describe it. They don't they because you're so used to the idea of bears from movies, right? Yeah. When you see one, you're like, it it's so it's such a it's such an improbable thing. And you're just like, you're just a, you're just a big chewbacca, aren't you? <laughs> it's like, it, but I mean, I was not, I wasn't exactly going to go up and start making friends with it. Um, It was still very clear that this was a wild animal. Um, And then we get, we made eye contact and there was that thing where I was like, yeah, you and me, we're not supposed to be socializing. We, we don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to get, do get the, you, do, you do get okay. some idiot. I mean, if you were like some social media influencer, you would probably try to get up to it and try and get a selfie with it, like get up close and everything like that. And, yeah, it'd be like, um, I, 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 I get the bear to promote my products or some, or someone else's products. Yeah, I, I didn't do that. I didn't even. As I say, I was so, I was so dumbstruck that I didn't even. I had my phone in my hand because it tracks my running thing. I could have just lifted it and taken a picture, but I was like, no. But you know, that's, that's, uh, that's close encounters of the bear kind. But we're, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about our top 10 favorite Alien films, not Alien as in the Alien franchise, films with Aliens in them. And uh, this is basically inspired a little bit by the release of Jordan Peele's new uh, film, Nope, which has just come out here in Denmark. And I just um, I just watched it for the first time a few days ago on Monday. Um, It came out last week, but I was working on a short film ironically enough a sci-fi film and i did but i didn't get a chance to see it when i went like on opening day so i had to wait a few days until i was less busy to go watch it well how was the sci-fi film it was good it was it was great we um ironically enough we actually shot um in uh my my internship workplace which is at uh doc it uh doc Dock one, which is uh this big triangle maze. It's 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 like um it has this kind of cool sci-fi look about it. It's this big like cyberpunk kind of building, and it's a library. And uh, that was our first uh that was our first shooting uh location for the first two days, evening night shoots, one of which was um plagued by thunder and lightning. Hang on, and, hang on, I've heard this before. You you've done you've done this why are you always holding a boom mic in the thunderstorm are your are your colleagues trying to kill you <laughs> i don't know i mean it's like goes down out there with a metal pole in your hand yeah exactly covered in electricity because that will there was one point while we were shooting a like a, a scene or a, a sh- or one of the shots for the one of the scenes that we were doing and it, the lightning got quite close and i fucking backed away while we were recording <laughs> you don't back away from lightning you 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 drop the metal pole that you're holding and (laughs) then you you get inside yeah Um, luckily enough it wasn't like raining and thundering and lightning like it was an acdc song so uh that was that was fine it passed to the other parts of denmark but no it was really good last day was uh, a bunch of green screen work in um in, uh inside which was a uh, uh, which was nice uh it was it was a good fun shoot I look forward to seeing the film when it's done because a lot of it has there's like gonna be some you know visual effects and stuff like that so I look forward to I look forward to that but yeah well cool so you've been filming sci-fi I've been having close encounters let's get into aliens so the rule for this top 10 is when we say alien films it's encounters between alien life forms and earthlings these encounters can happen in space but they cannot happen it is not, we're not doing Star Wars like, because we, because, you know, it would be ridiculous. Uh, it is Earthlings and non-Earthlings meeting each other. That is the that is the premise of this Tap 10. I just wanted to get the rules straight. I just wanted, you know, so that people understand, they can't be like, hey, we're talking about Rogue One. It's like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to talk about uh, we'll talk about Star Wars another time. Lord knows we talk about Star Wars enough in this podcast. when um, sure, Andor comes out, we'll probably be talking about it again. Andor's homes. Uh yeah. Uh let's um let's carry on before I make any other stupid puns. What we're talking the- about What's alien it? we're talking about alien films. That is the answer. Wait, what? Well, you know, that is the question, to be or not to be, but we're talking about alien films. That is the answer. You've gotta be fucking kidding. Why did, no one said anything about to be or not to be. What do you? What? Well, I was just that. Well, I don't know. It was based on what you said earlier. I can't exactly remember what you said, but it's fine. I said Andor's homes. No, no, no. Before that, I, I talked about bears. Well, no, nah, forget about it. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing like an Obi Wan for a second. I was like, is this a line I've forgotten about? No, it's <laughs> just. I, was... I don't know how your brain works. Can we just carry on with uh, this? This is already a disaster. This is why okay. I didn't oh. go to stand up comedy. <laughs> um no no you shouldn't Uh, that's that's a terrible idea Uh, what's at number 10 so at number 10 is uh jordan peele's third uh directorial film and it's uh nope starring uh daniel uh kaluuya uh kiki palmer michael wincott and stephen young and uh brandon uh perea well well remembered um i um yeah, I think this I I mean obviously you know, we we're, we're capitalizing on this film coming out. Um but I think yeah. it's a worthy entrant in the top 10 list. Um I think it's a I think it's a smashing fun summer f- blockbuster. Um it is uh it's a lovely um kind of uh tribute in some ways to Spielberg and it has that Jordan Peele um quality, the sort of the menace and the sense of of dread he creates but also that enormous fun and the warmth between the characters that um that feels so um that is a little spielbergian but also very very much um uh part of the the jordan peelverse um and it is uh it is spooky and, and, and as hell in places and um and obviously there's one scene in particular where you're just like Aah! um but um yeah it's uh it's it's a really um a really a really good movie going experience i'd say i mean i you know we don't get carried away it's not you know get out is, is is a singular masterpiece um this is closer to us you know this is just a good solid scary movie and a great kind of thrill ride what do you think yeah i really enjoyed the movie a lot i was um quite hyped for this film especially when they released that first poster for the film last year, where it's just the cloud and the the lights in the background and the flags hanging off it. And I was like, I like this movie already and I haven't even seen it yet. I've just seen the poster. Um, I think one of the things I like about Jordan Peele's movies is that um, they're never what you expect them to be. Sometimes. Yeah. I think they always go in a direction that feels surprising i think this maybe has the least kind of shocking twist although i think the the story is still that that there's still in a great deal of originality in how it's yeah. done you know i don't think anyone goes into that being like oh it's you know the 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 can, can we do spoilers is that all right yeah we could do spoilers yeah yeah so so spoilers from here on in if you haven't seen no put put a put a like sock in your ear or something, or like just fast forward or something. Anyway, no one is necessarily inspe- expecting. Um, What's that, that noise that, in uh, the background? <laughs> there's a, there's a very loud cricket. I don't know why. <laughs> Shut up! I mean, it um, sounded very sci-fi and alien. I was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" In- <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, what, so go go into your spoilery stuff. So spoil. So yeah, that was the spoiler cricket. Um, so the um, no one is necessarily going in expecting. That the UFO is actually going to turn out to be one creature. However, when that twist does happen, you're not like what you know. It, it makes sense. You know, so it's not like the twist in Us at the end of Us, which I which floored me. Um, I was just, I mean, maybe you saw it coming. But I I thought that was brilliantly done. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so it's not it's not as um, you're, I think in some ways he's also playing with expectations like I think that there's a feeling that the significance of the story with the Chimp is going to have more of a is going to have more of a kind of real life um, relevance to the present day narrative but it's more of a metaphor I think and it's more of an explaining the motivations of the uh, of the theme park owner character um, and kind Young. Stephen Young's yeah. character yeah I think so there's there's and I think it's also there, obviously, to create the the atmosphere of, of of menace. And it's also just a really like great kind of fucked up idea. Um, and um, yeah, it just um, what I think. What I think this film, like the film, I think ultimately, I would compare this to in most ways is Jaws. Yeah, um, it pretty much is know, Jaws. You know that there's a thing. <laughs> a word that will come up again on this yeah. podcast something out there that is killing people. And we put together a team of, um, people, uh, who are going to destroy it or, uh, but also in the spirit of the times we live in, they're also going to film it. And, um, yeah. this, this film, there's a lot of people talking about in regards to, in regards to the film that it's, it's a film that's about spectacle and exploitation you know, the Haywood siblings and Michael Wincott's character, who I feel like that would be Quint as a cinematographer if he didn't decide to be a fish fisherman or a shark hunter or something like that. Yeah. And Brandon, um, I think it's Perea, uh, the, the, uh, the Fry's electronics guy. Um, they're sort of like exploiting it, you know, filming it for financial value and I think the importance of it and things like that. Like, you know, as like filmmakers do, filming and getting the perfect shots. And I love the fact that Michael Wincott at one point sees the light. And having been on film sets, I've been around a lot of cinematographers who are like, oh, we got to get the shot because the light here is just perfect. So for me, that was kind of funny. And, um, you know, people sacrificing themselves for their art literally in the film. And, you know, there's a lot of aspects of like trying to control nature or trying to yeah. control wild animals, and when you look at it through, like, com- taking what happens at the on the set of that sitcom Gordy's Home, or Gordy's House, or whatever the hell it's called, mm. you know, they're trying to control the chimpanzee for, you know, exploitation purposes. But he's still a wild animal. You can't control that. You can control it up to yeah. a point. And in the same way, like, the Stephen Young's character, he's just, in many ways, he's like, he's a token Asian kid, in a white family for com- for comedic purposes. And like most child actors, he probably didn't get the help that he needed from this tragedy that happens when the chimpanzee goes crazy and kills some people and um, becomes this like cheap, Theme park ride. It did remind me of old Tucson. Jupiter's Claim did remind me a little bit of yes. old Tucson. <laughs> Danny had an old Tucson vibe. I wonder yeah, if. Yeah, uh, and it's. And, he, and, in there. <laughs> and he's exploiting the tragedy of what happened on the set of that sitcom and also trying to feel like, oh, I can control this flying saucer thing yeah, he's, get- it's, he's traumatized. I think yeah. that that's the thing. Like, it's what is interesting is in that scene where he's talking about it in this oh, Jesus Christ, there's a fucking jet flying over now. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, there was you know he there's a scene where he's talking about what happened on the set of Gordy's house or whatever it is in this very kind of blase kind of like yeah you know that was really messed up kind of way like not not kind of engaging with the fact that he was there and must have been traumatized by it and that when jordan peel chooses to cut to him with blood all over his face and that then when we then get the final flashback later in the later in the film you and then you see how he's then gone on to essentially, he's he's processing his trauma by trying to, in some ways, trying to recreate it on the grandest scale that he can, yeah. which is by having, um, you know, having this kind of ritual sacrifice with this alien who then decides he's gonna eat all of them. Um, and, um, and that's what it does. Yeah, it's sort of like thinking about it, because I was writing a little bit of, re- of a review about it, I was thinking a little bit of, um, did you ever watch Blackfish, that SeaWorld documentary? No, no. That's the kind of thing that I just find too upsetting. Like the whole cruelty to animal thing. I yeah, just feel... but it, it reminded me because the the whale. I guess well. it has. Yeah, is, is the, that's the one where the whales killed the. Yeah, the, the whale killed. Well, it, it's it's sort of like it killed two trainers. One of you know during a show. Uh, the other person was some idiot who broke into the park and decided to ride the killer whale and then drowned. So that's his own fault for that for that thing. Yeah, you can't you can't pull the whale up on that. That's just yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know in so many ways jean jacket as they call him the 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 monster in the this jellyfish type monster in the in the in the film is basically the in my opinion the film's very equivalent of Tilikum the killer whale and you know and it, it's nice that they make a reference to Siegfried and Roy because one of the, the, the one of the white lions actually attacked I can't remember if it was Siegfried or Roy so it is that kind of yeah so there is that you know spectacle and exploitation manner and doing everything you can to get that Oprah shot as they talk about in the film. And uh, it's a bit of a, you know, I, I mean, he's playing around with a lot of elements in this film, I don't think everything quite gets connected or everything doesn't, I feel like Stephen Young doesn't get explored as much because I really felt like he, he, from what I expected, I thought he was going to be the closest the film's villain in so many ways you know, be yeah. like this kind of Murray Hamilton, Larry Mayor Larry Vaughan of Amity Island type character, but he doesn't get much sort of, I don't know, I feel like that part of the film doesn't get explored as much. It could flesh it out a bit. And I, and I think as well, like I think they should also talk a little bit more, even though they show a great deal of the the horses and how, you know, obviously as as usual in Jordan Peele's films, the, the characters at the heart of the story um, are the ones who have you know, there's a, there's a, there's, there's this kind of difference of approach that they have that in this film is showed by the fact that in terms of exploiting animals on sets that they do it properly, they do it with respect, or at least, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Daniel Kaluuya's character. Um, OJ. Well, OJ. O- 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 Otis Jr. But everyone calls him, everyone OJ's, calls him OJ. Yeah, how could I forget? Yeah. So it's like, OJ really knows, how you know and and that scene at the beginning with the horse on the on the advert set, you know yeah is such a contrast to the gaudy scene or to the to the scenes with jean jacket you know uh, sucking up all the audience from the um the rodeo thing anyway it's a really good film and i've yeah. just ruined it for people who haven't watched it but um you know uh yeah. if you have i hope you agree with us and um here comes another fighter jet flying over my house. Um yeah, but have there been I, any news alerts on the Russians invading? And anyway, I have no idea. On. Um, but no, I, I think Can we move on to, to number nine, or yeah. do you have any other final? No, I, just, I just I did I just wanted to say I saw it in an IMAX screening. Mm. It looked fucking amazing. It sounded amazing as well. Courtesy yeah. of uh I have the sound designer written down. What's his name? Uh Johnny Byrne and the cinematographer was Hoyte Van Hoytema, who of course has worked on. Oh yeah, you know he's worked on Christopher Nolan's movies and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Great cinematographer. They used IMAX cameras. It looked great. Michael Abel's the score. I thought the score was amazing. It had the it had a bit of John Williams, Elmer Bernstein, and Jerry Goldsmith. It was really oh, yeah it definitely I it had, it had a lot of that western stuff going on, which is yeah. um it's great. Yeah, it, it seemed it it that's the other thing actually. Just to say at the end here the film also really knew its western tropes and um and i feel i feel like there was a lot of fun nods to um all kinds of different sort of western themes and including just the man on the horse you know the, the lone man on the lone horse in the valley that, that the, the shame kind of character that that was done really well I thought so um so just yeah huge credit to Jordan Peele I just love him like he every, every he just keeps making really great entertainments and I long may yeah. that continue um number I nine love, I loved Kiki Palmer <laughs> I thought she was amazing oh, yeah she's amazing we can't talk about this film for the whole episode and no I know but it's just you, I mean, you could talk about it for hours, really, based off how much stuff that happens in the movie. But yeah, we we yes. have other we have other films to talk about. Other films need to be covered. But go see Nope if you haven't, and if you haven't, I'm sorry, like we just ruined it. But whatever. Yeah. Um, you can either go to the cinema or or you can watch it digitally at home, which is odd that they've released it so so where like you can rent it online or something like that. Really? Yeah. What? A, no, go watch it in the cinema, you dicks. Yeah, it's really weird. They should have waited like at least a month or so before doing that. That's what Warner Brothers have done with their films recently. But anyway, so at number nine is the 2011 film Attack the Block, written and directed by Joe Cornish and stars John Boyega in his, I believe, his first big movie. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't very old at that point. Um, And um, Attack the Block is a great movie. Um, It's a fantastic film something that we didn't mention in nobis the originality of the design of the alien i think the originality of the de- design of the aliens and attack the block is even more um yeah. impressive There's that sort of they have that um the, the sort of these kind of like neon gorillas um and um it's uh you know they're they're they're, re- they're really cool looking and um and also brutal. I mean, these aliens are really fucking uh you yeah. Know, they'll, they'll, I was I was hurting on you. I was kind of surprised by how graphic some moments are actually in this movie. I mean, it is yeah. very funny, and all the kid actors of the guys who play the youths that live in this council estate are very good and they're the heart of the movie. And especially John Boyego, who's who's whose character is really quite interesting and uh, quite compelling, actually, like his backstory is the way that they signed yeah, yeah, him, yeah. the way that they explain his backstory is very well done without having him go into some sort of like, you know, if this was remade in America, there'd be like a whole scene with him explaining his life story. But yeah. no, the kids in this movie are really good. And Jodie Whittaker, who's the woman that they rob at the beginning of the movie. She's really great. Uh, Nick Frost as the drug dealer or pusher or whatever he is he's hilarious so there's that kind of cool sean of the dead well, and yeah exactly i was gonna say callback back to sean of the dead there's lots of fun stuff in this film like the way that the kids um like in a different film a different alien film uh but one which maybe one of the most iconic et you know the kids are all white they're all middle class uh in this film it's the kids are mostly black and they have um you know that they're from a they're from a council estate, but they still do the scene of all getting on the bicycles. You know, and it's not, it's a very different from ET, but it has that I I think a point is being made. You know, and that films you don't see major films being made um, about um, you know people who are you know majority not white, live in an inner city, you know, aren't are working class uh, or whatever. You know, that's just especially not in the context of aliens. Like most of the time alien encounters have to happen to people who are uh, educated, resourced, are able to sort of, you know, are able to use their, their privilege and use their education to like figure out what's going on and also to some degree escape from it. Um, You know, it's, 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 as you say, compelling when the different twist gets taken. And I think there's so much just outside of the aliens, there's so much great, um, satire and and fun being poked at the idea of you know the life in south london where you know these this estate is um and um like that one character who code switches you know when he's on the phone to his mom he's using a sort of higher register and then he sees all the other guys and he starts you know speaking a sort of more uh streetwise lingo like or, or not as the case may be so yeah. there's this sort of it, it, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of charm in this and a lot of humor and um yeah it's 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 a thrill ride again um yeah i think probably one that audiences in america won't have seen as much um i think it was a pretty big hit when it came out in the uk right or did it sort of i think it was like a critically it was like a really like people really talked about this movie quite a lot it was uh i was it, no it wasn't really that successful it was made for like eight million pounds but didn't it made about 4.1 million at the box office well, that's a too bad yeah hmm. Maybe just like, I don't know, maybe it was like, not, I guess like it wasn't distributed properly or maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe it had a bit of hit, bigger hit. Maybe it was a bigger hit in England, but like once it got out of America, I guess it kind of fell by the wayside. I guess it was just like, I guess it's that thing, you know, in America, it's like, oh, can we, uh, could we put subtitles for the South London kids? I can't understand what they're saying or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it was never going to, I mean, yeah, outside of the, I feel like it's a big ask to try and. Make that film translate to the to the US. Yeah. That's just another reason why the America dominated cultural landscape is so boring and shit. Because yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, we yeah, might be attack- getting we right. might we might be getting a sequel. Oh, to attack Joe- the block. Yeah, Joe Cordish and John Boyega they're coming back for a sequel. They're they're working on it now. Nice. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. this one will will will, will do just as well, and maybe even better. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect. Attack the Block is a perfect cult movie, like a lot of sci-fi films. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's very—they are—they are are rich breeding ground for sort of yeah for for cult um for cult stuff um. Good, yeah. Attack the Block. Go see it Uh, or rent it or whatever. Um, Number eight. So, at number eight is a film directed by John Carpenter, who is uh, you know is a you know is no stranger to the world of sci-fi and horror and uh, this was a film that he uh, directed that came out in 1984 so a couple of years after uh, the thing and in between that he made a movie called Christine which is an ad- adaptation of a Stephen King book and it's a film called Starman and it stars uh Jeff Bridges uh Karen Allen uh Charles Martin's uh, Charles Martin Smith and uh Richard Jekyll Richard Jekyll yeah yeah so in uh the beginning of the film it's uh in so in the in in the world of the movie in 19 uh 1977 uh, uh the voyager 2 space probe it carries like this big disk of messages of peace and inviting like aliens to come to earth and things like that and in the and in the year where the movie takes place an alien you know a, a vessel carry you know goes towards earth and uh you know, flies over America and you know, being in America, you know, being, you know, typical of the US government and military, they shoot it down. Right. And it crash lands in uh, Wisconsin's and um, this ball of energy, this glowing energy, it finds itself at uh, Karen Allen's home. She plays a woman called Jenny Hayden. It sounds very um, sounds like Karen Allen has been here before. It seems very uh, sort of Ark of the Covenant, doesn't it? Yeah. So what happens is, is that this ball of energy finds this lock of hair from her, from Jenny's husband, played by Jeff Bridges, and this, and Jeff Bridges is, you know, her, her husband is dead. So this alien takes the form of her dead husband, what? So she, and then she goes on a road trip with with him because she dead with, husband with with her with someone who looks like her dead husband. Does and he have the same personality? So I haven't seen this film. No, no, no. He doesn't have the same personality. He's just he's kind of like you know man child kind of thing but as throughout the film he gets better and talks better and he becomes like you know human basically and you know he has to he has to be driven to a place you know in located in arizona over a certain feud over you know he has to go there for he has to get there before a certain time otherwise he dies basically it's kind of like paul where they have to get him to uh devil's tower and get him beamed up again yeah while being chased by the american military and a scientist played by charles martin smith who uh was uh one of the untouchables and he was in american graffiti hmm. well that sounds very entertaining i do love karen allen yeah you know she owns a fabric shop about an hour from where i live she does yes oh mm-hmm. um i think so it was something that like, i think it's yeah it's something to do with that like carpets or fabric or something decoration i mean yeah in the uh, in great Barrington, massachusetts yeah um, oh yeah, she uh, she developed. In the, looking on Wikipedia, she developed an and she developed an, an affinity for. I've even forgotten how to read. <laughs> <laughs> just just stumbled over the words. Um, yeah, so um, I, I've just added that to my watch list as we were talking um, on Letterboxd. So I, I'm I, that sounds really fun. Uh, yeah. I want to I want to give that a watch. And um, uh, it was uh, Jeff Bridges was uh, nominated for uh, best actor this movie 1984 oh have we done 1984 in our alternative oscars no I it would have been think... the 1985 oscars no i don't think we have but we uh, we, should... we should go back to the future and do uh the um the um uh 1985 oscars at some point. yeah uh okay so uh speaking of um uh aliens passing as human the next movie number eight Uh, I think it is number seven, number seven, number seven, number seven, excuse me, um, is, uh, is relevant because it's brother from another planet, which we've talked about on here before, which we've both seen um, and which I think is one of the greatest um, uh, of, of, of sort of sci-fi comedies um, and, and a great film about New York as well. Um, So basic plot is a, um, a humanoid life form from another planet crashes in New York. He looks like um a black man but he is an alien uh and he has special powers which he reveals throughout the film uh and he is on he is being trailed by two men in black mm, Uh uh, played by the film's director john sales and by uh your friend and mine davis trehan one of the great character actors of all time i think he's got Um, a great voice he talks a little bit like this (laughs) Yes, he does. Yeah, he's he's great for films set in the past because sat he has that kind of 1930s voice. He was great in uh, in um, like uh, uh, yes. Oh, but the film I a uh, Nightmare Alley. He was really good in Nightmare Alley. Oh yeah, um, he was good in that. He was good in uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, but um, he uh, and John Sales play these very sort of creepy people who are on the tail of. Um, of the brother from another planet, because the great thing about it is he ends up in Harlem and in Harlem he is embraced and looked after and protected. And ultimately he finds his own people and he gives back to the community. And so the film ends up being this, um, you know, this parable in some ways about how to exist in a, you know, in a city like New York, in an an area that it has been, you know, that, in know, a, in, a, in, a, in an area like Harlem, which is, you know, traditionally, um, you know, African American, because the rest of the city is so, you know, exclusionary. And, um, um, and so, you know, which obviously, the case now is that Harlem, like a lot of places in New York are being gentrified, and the black people who used to live there cannot afford to do that anymore. So the problem of that kind of race and racism and classism kind of melded into one is perpetuated but um you have a um you have a lot i mean it's it's especially seeing as the film is directed by a, a white person like that the, there's a lot of soft political messaging going on in this uh movie that i um i really um, I, I think is handled very deftly um maybe the subplot about the drugs feels a little bit kind of easy, maybe a little, maybe is done a bit more heavy-handed than we would today, but um, I think generally speaking, it's a it's a very deft film, very funny film, and incredibly sweet. Um, yeah, and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of really um, heartwarming moments, and a great um, a great performance from uh, what's his name, Joe um, Morton. Yeah, Joe Morton, who uh, also he played Miles Dyson in Terminator 2: Judgment Day well there you go so yeah. um, um i will say john yeah. sales is one of those directors who doesn't get talked about much he's actually really good out of the films i've seen and also the films he's written you know a blend of drama and also horror and science fiction and things like that yeah he's 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 terrific um and um uh, and and speaking of um you know films that are directed by um black people. Uh, Spike, he has a little role in Spike Lee's uh, Malcolm X. He plays one of them. Um, uh, kind of also in a parallel to this film, he plays mm. one of the FBI agents who's following Malcolm X around. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Spike Lee, um, the cinematographer on this, I think was Ernest Dickerson, who was the cinematographer on quite a lot of Spike Lee's early films, including Malcolm X. That's uh, so it. Yeah. It has, a, it has that look. Um, that's really interesting. I'm I'm not surprised to hear that. Well, uh, it brother from another planet is a terrific film. It is yeah. rentable on Amazon. It is findable. So go and see it. It is worth well worth your time. Yes. Uh, what is it? Number six at number six is invasion of the body snatchers, uh, the Don Siegel version. Yeah. I mean, both are good. Um, so, but I would recommend watching the Don Siegel one first and then watch the seventies the one with, um, with donald sutherland and um and leonard nimoy <laughs> bizarrely uh also um young jeff goldman in that film but um and um it, you know it is a uh, brooke adams that's the one she's the one she's in there um the original film directed by don siegel from the 50s and it is you've not seen it right no but i do know it came out during mccarthyism Well, yeah, yes, yes, it did. And it has something to do. Yes, yeah, you're right. There is a comment. There is commentary there. you can certainly read into it. Although I don't know how much like I also think that, you know, I think Probably more than more than it being a film that's playing on people's fear of McCarthyism, I think probably more it's playing into McCarthyism, like it's playing on a fear of communists infiltrating our society rather than, you know, not job Republicans. So I don't know, like I I wouldn't I wouldn't put the film in any kind of category of like social commentary or 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 anything like that. But um, the the film is terrific because it's it you know this 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 guy comes back to his hometown after an absence and he realizes that some odd shit is going on um and people's personalities are changing and stuff and that's because these seed pods are being delivered by aliens or from an alien planet and they uh, all they need to do is be near a person and they will um uh they will clone that person, be able to clone that person uh and and essentially sort of become uh become them. And um, and once that person is uh who they are, they they just become one of these alien people. And it's like this big um, you know, it's it's it, it's almost like a cult and it has to sort of spread itself. So they start loading these seed pods into trucks and taking them off into the the rest of the country. And um um you know so it has this it's very cold war you know very yeah. uh apocalyptic feeling and 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 slightly mad as well um and um and of course the more and more people keep getting uh you know keep getting taken over by these uh by these life forms so um it, it's harder to know who to trust and um and there are moments where you think someone is actually um you know, someone is trustworthy, and then there are these twists and suddenly turns out they're not, and it's, ah, it's awful. Um, and the film, um, the film ends with, on a bit of a kind of like, uh, oh, it's all fine now note, but um, it um, uh, the remake does not, and that's one of the, the edges that the remake has on the original. Um, the remake is exactly the same thing, except it's set in San Francisco, um, and it has Donald Sutherland, who is just so cool. Um, and, um, uh, it's more of an urban exploration of this uh of this idea. And it has some really, really great, great moments, including the final shot. Um but um yeah, I'd say start with the start with the 50th version. Watch them both. They, they, yeah. they go really well together. Um and um and it's it is a it is a genuinely suspenseful uh film. Handled, you know, Don Siegel was great at just like yeah. little tight, B movies and and this is uh Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a is a is a splendid example. It's been remade like a few times, apart from the one that came out in the 70s, and then Abel Ferrara did one in the, in the 90s, which I think takes place on an army base. And then there oh. was one with um directed by uh the guy who directed um The Lives of Others, Oliver Hirschspiegel. Hirschspiegel? Yeah, it was his like it was his first like uh wasn't his- that Henkel von Donnersmark? no 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 sorry i'm thinking about the, no sorry 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 that's the guy i think it's the guy who directed uh, Oliver. wait hold on a second i've got his name up here oliver here no it's the guy who directed downfall sorry right 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 different different hey, german, you're, you're german films from 2005 right <laughs> <laughs> i think lies of others came out a few years later oh uh, whatever um, no no, he did he did it he did it, 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 i think it was like his first big american film and um and it was uh, not a good experience because they had to like reshoot the movie and they weren't happy with his version and then they spent like 17 days reshooting it and adding a twist ending and he wasn't he wasn't there for the reshoots. They hired another director and yeah, Nicole Kidman had an accident during it and stuff like that. Well, um I don't know about those, but um yeah, these two, uh the fifties one, the seventies one go for them. And then see if, you, if you've had if you've not had your fill of body snatching at that point, then by all means, see, um, see where see where you are. But um, yeah. Um, let us uh, let us move on. So have we had any? Um, yeah, any I posted, I posted honorable on- mentions. I mean, any shout outs from the, the greater public? uh my only shout out i have is uh my friend from film school thomas lassen he he wrote uh top 10 off the top of my head district nine have you seen that no but that's re- that is supposed to be really good isn't it it's amazing yeah. it's really good great film. Oh. also good oh, then... you know a lot of good social and political subtext in the film as yeah, well. Yeah, that that's got the apartheid, um, yeah, um, context. Yeah, yeah. And it showed you don't have to make a sci-fi film with aliens coming to Earth and have it set in America. You can set it in anywhere. You don't have to, It doesn't have to be America. Right. Yeah. No. Good point. We probably should have put that on the list. Oh well. Uh, he wrote. He also wrote E.T. No. Natch. Alien, the first one. The Thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. Invasions of the Body Snatchers. Both of them. Yeah. Close Encounters. Hmm.
1: Mars Attacks.
0: Oh, yeah. Mars Attacks is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Contact the Jodie Foster film. Never seen it. Starship Troopers. Never seen that either. Yeah, that's a good fun film. That was like that was like a sci-fi film that Paul Verhoeven did. I think a lot of people didn't quite get the subtext of it, and it's like it's about Nazis, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, all Paul Verhoeven films are either about Nazis or sex or both. In the case of Black Book, um, yeah. yeah. And he also wrote uh, MIB. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't. Paul Hovind wrote Man in (laughs) Blackness. No, 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 no. He wrote a lot more tits in it then. Um, But okay, well, um, I mean, some honorable mentions we haven't brought up, like Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. I remember that being really good. Um, Good film. I forgot about that. That's really good. That is an alien film. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think District Nine is a great shout. I haven't seen it, so I didn't think of it, but you should have done. Um, And um, I. uh, (laughs) Uh, I uh, now no, you sound like an alien um, and I uh, yeah I think some other, some other fun ones like um, I remember we went to see Cowboys and Aliens when it came out um, oh yeah I remember that one of the best line readings in the history of cinema by Harrison Ford where they're told that the aliens are there for gold and he goes what are they going to do buy something <laughs> um, <laughs> which I just which I love so much because it's also kind of showing Harrison Ford's own in character like a lot, like what this movie is ridiculous but that's i did i thought that was quite good um and um again that was a film that was kind of hyped but it was not a huge success that they thought it was going to be yeah paul was fun and um yeah i mean basically those are my honorable mentions what about you my uh, one of my honorable honorable mentions is uh, the faculty. It's a Robert Rodriguez film. It's set in a high school, and aliens have invaded it, and they take. It's basically like the body invasions of the body snatchers, but it's in a school, and aliens have basically taken over the bodies of the of the school's teachers, and this like Breakfast Club of teenagers featuring uh, Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, Claire DeVal, Sean Hatosi, and uh, uh, what's her face from. Um, one of the actresses from Fast and the Furious that isn't uh, Michelle Rodriguez, they oh, basically to try to like uh, save the school and all that sort of stuff. Right. And uh, it's a good, fun film. It's uh, it's really, really good. Uh, written by. Well, you saw the new. You saw the new Predator film recently, right? I did see the new Predator film. Prey, very good, extremely good. Mm, that's an honourable mention. For exceptionally good. I haven't seen the. They. The, it's. It's released in two versions. It's one is in English and then the other one is in Comanche. Oh, cool! I didn't realise they'd done a version in. I'm going to ask you about that. Yeah. Where Where can one get hold of the one that's in Comanche? If you go on Disney Plus, you'll find both versions. Really? Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's great. I will try and convince my other half that to uh, watch. Uh, Prey in Comanche. That's great. I've. That's so cool that they did that that's fantastic yeah because i was—I had a slight i just had that slight question of like because all the trailers were in english and i was like, mm-hmm. like i know this is great i mean they're using native actors and so on but i was like is that cool like but now they've done two versions so wonderful yeah it's pretty like, it's pretty... You're never gonna you're never gonna get americans to go to the cinema and watch something with like subtitles. so yeah yeah it's a shame they didn't release that in the cinema i would have loved to have seen that it was just—it just looks amazing. You would have, what, what, it would have been funny for you because you would have been reading—you would have been listening to Comanche, but and then reading it Danish subtitles. <laughs> that would have been very weird, incongruity there. But um yeah, yeah I mean, I saw—I saw Parasite in a Danish cinema with you know Korean and Danish subtitles, so that was fine. Yeah, no, I just think there's something particular. I mean, it's—it's it's, it's not no, it's not. It's just I do not I don't know. I just find the I find the leap from Comanche to Danish like two completely random languages picked out of a hat. I find that more comical than um, yeah. The, yeah. The most uh, anyway, um, yeah. I do. I do have Predator, the first Predator, on my um, my uh, honorable honorable mentions, which is just a kick ass action film. You know Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, you know Jesse Ventura. It's such a great cast. Bill Duke as well. It's such a fucking like just just testosterone filled movie directed by John McTiernan, who went off to do um, uh, Die Hard years later course he did yeah yeah um it's got so many you've got some classic lines if it bleeds we could kill it you're bleeding man ain't got time to bleed well hang on a minute wait if you bleed it can kill you um oh, sounds, like a very, sounds like a silly film it's <laughs> a silly film um, but it's so good it's a great it's a classic action film okay. um right well uh, shall we move on with our list then yeah yeah also honorable mention another one my personal favorite Independence Day. Yeah, that's not that I vetoed that. Sorry, sorry, people. It's a classic so, film. It's a bad film. It's um, a classic, it's a not great much. film. We're gonna live oh. on, we're gonna survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. My, my favorite the moment. The only dropped. good thing that happens in that film is they blow up the White House. <laughs> my favorite moment in that film is like during that moment where everyone's like cheering the president there's like one shot of one like worker just doing like the salute and it's just a great like I love that moment that's like that I I hate the politics of that so much I just like fuck that so much like I hate that sort of end of the 90s America as the world leader thing like post colonial I just no I am so just no absolutely not um like just I am I am st- bleh, bleh. uh anyway. Um bleh, bleh. <laughs> yeah uh, uh what's at number five? At number five is E.T. the extraterrestrial. Yeah, of course it was gonna be in there wasn't it? I mean, you can't you can't not have E.T. Um the final moments of that film guaranteed to make me cry every time. I'll um, be right here. But that doesn't make me cry. This just makes me sort of terrified um, it's, but, the hug um he, it's the hug that he gives him that's the moment where i'm just like oh god no, no. i also cry at the line when it's read normally just not by your weird like <laughs> creepy dying pedophile voice um what? but like i um i like i mean et is um e- et is just just such good fun and it's joy it's, very, it's, it's pure joy yeah it's also i mean it's very it's very poignant it's that spielberg thing of you know being able to um take these films that are about big things like aliens and sharks and god knows what and and it in, in, in uh, what am i trying to say like it, um interspersing it with the, the the life of the family and the um the the, the feelings involved in a family setup and you know how good he is at that um and um yeah i mean it 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 is justifiably a, a complete classic and of course um uh, the logo for Amblin is still the the yeah, bicycle exactly. yeah um, and um, and the music the John Williams uh, easy music is uh, is really good I, I I do like the movie a lot it was really it was written by uh, the movie was written by Melissa Matheson who was uh, married to Harrison Ford from uh, 1983 to 2004 and he was actually briefly in the film before he what? was cut out cut out they cut Harrison Ford from E.T. You gotta be fucking kidding. Well, he was briefly in the movie. He's like in one little scene where he plays the school's principal and he has a scene with Henry Thomas, but like it it just didn't. He's in like the shadows. You can you can't see him, but you can tell it's Harrison Ford. They just it just I don't know, it just didn't need it. I how if I feel like he could have used Harrison Ford. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, so that's their choice. Um, but um, but it all, I guess. mean, the, th- the good thing about that movie, it just goes to show you could do so much with like practical effects. Because the Alien, it, you know, I'm, of course, it's made out of so many things, but like it looks so real, and it's just it gives so much. To, well, to it's good film. for the the, the uh, famously of course it's one of the reasons why the child actors were so good because they had a thing that they could interact with yeah you know an actual li- uh, li- living living <laughs> and it's not, E.T.'s not a real, not real, uh, not, real uh, yeah, actual, not real i know an actual like tactile solid thing that they can interact with yeah. um and um yeah i mean i think that's 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 a big part of um of of the et uh he's also just a really well designed again talking about you know aliens don't always have to be you know they don't big, have to look like aliens. black eyes. <laughs> yeah exactly they can look like all kinds of things and um i love that et just looks like a sort of dog turd that's been shaped into a, a funny um form and had eyes sort of plopped on him and um and you know like that we talked about the sort of weird flying squid creature in nope and stuff like there's there's so much a uh, scope for um uh for uh, for making aliens look cool yeah um, what's that other film speaking of honorable mention monsters is it um. Oh, yeah, the Gareth Edwards movie. Yeah, I feel like they they were good at doing. I had, didn't see it, but I read a lot at the time that the aliens and that looked good as well. So yeah, there so, was a lot. They looked really original in that film. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but ET is just—I mean, what's left to say about ET? I mean, it's it's one of the—it's—it's it's such an iconic piece of yeah um of the childhood of kids who were born in the I guess late seventies through early nineties. You know, it's just as this—it was—it was one of the great one of the great like home video uh, yeah. movies. It was a you know it was it is I, it's one of the it's it's one of the most iconic kind of family films if you want to call it that. And it's yeah, yeah um, I saw it a lot on VHS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It does have a slight. You know, I don't think I've ever not seen it on VHS. The last time I saw it was probably as a kid on VHS. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it at my film school. It's like one of the last like screenings that we had. We had a double bill of ET and Jurassic Park. Oh, that was fun. Do you want to know how it connects to Star Wars? Um, well, you know, in that scene when they go out on Halloween, and then there's someone dressed up as Yoda, and then ET goes to him like he recognizes it. There's a scene in The Phantom Menace, it's the bit when they're like, I vote for a no confidence in Chancellor Valorum's leadership, and then there's like a panning shot where you see all the senates and they're like, vote now, vote now, and all that sort of stuff. In one of those little pod things, there's three little ET creatures who are like clapping their hands. Shut up! No, it's true. Watch the movie? They're actually in. The I, 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 I will. I'll try and find that clip. I don't think I can stomach watching the entirety of the Phantom Menace. But um, uh, that—that's—that's that's so silly. <laughs> that's so stupid. Why would he recognize Yoda? That annoys me as well. <laughs> I don't Yoda's know. Not, he doesn't come from the same universe well, as maybe, Yoda. Or maybe like a, a long y- time ago, Anders, in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. I, I don't know, it's just a little Easter egg I like it I hate Easter eggs I'm so <laughs> bored of all these twats with their <laughs> Easter eggs And these are like, oh look, we put a title of a different Marvel film in this Marvel film Isn't that exciting? No, piss off This stupid poxy franchise um, <laughs> Okay, so at number four is uh, Men in Black Moving along before Adam has another round <laughs> Now that, <laughs> this is a great movie I love Men in Black so much Um, Again, another film I watched a lot on VHS. Yes. um, A film that our late father was very fond of. A film that has... um, A film that is just... It's so in that kind of late 90s spate of comedies that just, for some reason, just define my... um, That world of what I find funny. Like, I think about this. I think about um, uh, The The Big Lebowski. I think about the the Austin Powers you know it it's so it's so uh it's so funny this film. It has so much um it has so much uh going on uh in and, and and um and the uh, you know the performances of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are something but also of course by is uh, it's Vincent D'Onofrio isn't yeah, it? Yeah Vincent uh, D'Onofrio yeah he's amazing <laughs> he's, I mean I feel like we quote <laughs> His line from the ah, pet cat, uh, you know, <laughs> the, 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 that line the way he pronounces a ah, pet cat that's my yeah. I, I i laugh all the time every time he says and that, the, especially okay. in the give me sugar that bit <laughs> every time that ends me. And I can't not say sugar now. And if I want to use sugar in something, More. yeah, <laughs> and then the um, the thing that pulls its weight around here is like goddamn truck, and then it gets. Just you know, the crashing It's so, you know. I, I don't. Ca- if you don't find that funny, just piss off. Like, I don't. That's funny. Like and, yeah. and the and the the physical performance he puts in. <laughs> um, I think he. Ra- I don't know what he did. He must have. What he did, he must have wrapped some like a brace or something around his leg to make him walk in a particular way or something like that. It's, I mean he, I don't know. I mean the whole It's it a is. great physical performance and like it is. it's just the way he speaks as well as like where do you keep your dead? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any um, dead <laughs> it's um it's so it's it, it it's so lovely. There's a, uh, there's also the the aliens hiding in plain sight, you know, um yeah. thing and you know one of them being Sylvester Stallone and that. Um in that scene is great but also the aliens who you know because there's that thing where certain aliens can wear people suits as we see in the in the beginning that's sort of established as a as a as a rule of a thing that can happen uh, but then there are other aliens who you know dress up as uh, pugs uh which is yeah. a, you know or, or or who don't wear people suits and then is that there's that great like the men in black headquarters which feels like you know rick's cafe from casablanca or something it's all these people uh from actually don't they use that metaphor in the film they might do well, that yeah. similarly in the film yeah, yeah. Uh, and anyway oh, is, is, I, well, I love different... the i love the elvis reference as well you do know that elvis is dead right no elvis isn't dead he just went home <laughs> yeah yeah that's 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 a great line yeah a lot of people hear these lines oh that's so hokey it's Like, was well, screw off like that isn't f- it was it's funny when tommy Lee jones is saying it driving upside down in a uh, in a cool car uh then then it, then then i don't care then it's funny yeah and um um, and the, it, hu- the humor is handled very well in that, better than, yeah. and it's, it is, it's the humor of the time, yeah, you know, but it, but, but also, it is, Will Smith is hilarious, yeah, because I love the, um, I love that bit where he's like, you need to get an an interior decorator in here because damn, damn, um. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, uh, Rip Toward as Zed, he's, he's really, he's yeah, Rip Tord is uh, another galactic world. kicker, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, get also another a, another great moment is when he's shouting at the little worm creatures and he's like, You sorry little embreds. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're great. Those are my favorite characters in all the cinema, those guys. Yeah, they are great. Um, yeah, it's a classic film. It's a classic little nineties film. Uh to what it now. What? I just I, this this conversation is making me want to watch it right now. Yeah, I, me I, I too. I, just, I, just, I really want to watch it. The last time I watched it was during the heyday of the pandemic when we were all stuck at home, and Lily and I um uh, got a little high and watched that film and ate a pizza, and it was just like perfect. I really yeah. recommend getting a little stoned uh, and uh, getting a pizza and watching Men in Black. Very, yeah. very, very nice way to spend an evening. Yeah. Speaking of the pandemic, here was a film that was completely perfect for it. John Carpenter's *The Thing*, which is a which is a film that we have talked about on a recommendation episode, but is a film that completely per- and perfectly shows the the terror of isolation and paranoia so well that I mean it is it is John Carpenter's. I think it's John Carpenter's best film by Big far. Cool. Big call. Cool. I think it's his masterpiece. I think if this movie was a lot better, if it was a lot if it was a bigger success at the box office, I think his career could have you know, gone far. Maybe he wouldn't have done films like Christine or Starman. Um, good thing he did do films like Starman. Cause I think it showed his range in doing films that weren't just like bleak and dark, but no, I just, you know, the cast is great. You got Kurt Russell, you got Keith David, who was in, of course, he was in Nope. He plays uh, the dad, the cops. The, yeah. Um, yeah. He's who's a great actor and um, just a really just amazing cast. And um, the cinematography by Dean Cundey is just brilliant. Like just the way, like the just the composition is just really good. And also Ennio Morricone's score as well. The and also Rob Bottin, who did the makeup and special effects. He was um, a protege of uh, Rick Baker, who did the you know Men in Black and. Uh, American I forget well- that Rick Baker worked on Men in Black. Yeah, he did. He worked on Men in Black. And I think he also won it. He won his one of his seven Oscars for that film. Wow. But yeah, the practical effects in the thing are astonishing. Yeah. And it's that um that dawning realization of what's going on, that sort of like the first act of the film where it's like something is something is up here. Yeah. You know? yeah. and um and there's um you know, obviously there's, there's, I guess the first real act is like the whole bringing the dog in and then the dog, um, and then, um, then the second act is like, what the hell? And then there's, they're exploring the, you know, the base with, with the crashed UFO and, and all that stuff. And then, then it just turned into this like game, of as you say, paranoia and isolation and craziness and there's that harrowing scene in the, like the lab and the, um, the whole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and all of the like gore and stuff it's a then, gory movie. It's an incredibly it gory, very movie. gory, extremely gory movie, and um, and all the, the 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 business at the then the, the end. You know, with Kurt Russell and Keith David just sort of waiting it yeah. out is, Yeah, that's it's, something else. Yeah, it, it, I don't think people in that time period were ready for such a bleak and nihilistic ending, and. Um, and I think it it did come out the same year as ET. And guess which one was the bigger success? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is. I mean, it's such a like, ugh, like it leaves you with nothing that film, except yeah. the feeling that actually we might not be okay. Um, which, like, you know, the best we can hope for in that film is that the alien dies with them in the in the Antarctic. Mm-hmm. I do but, like the sort of uh, the 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 theories that people have of if is Kurt Russell a thing at the end is Keith David a thing at the end I think Keith David was asked the question and he was like I don't know about Kurt Russell but it sure as hell isn't me <laughs> I love that that's a great answer yeah, yeah. okay I, I don't know um Maybe, maybe neither of them. I mean, what yeah, yeah. One of my favorite shots of the movie is um, it's the bit where like the dog is wandering around and uh, s- s- uh the Mar- uh, not the Marvin Gaye uh, uh, Stevie Wonder Superstitious is playing in the background, and the dog is wandering around, and it goes into a room, and you just see someone's shadow. And I think that's such a creepy moment and it just cuts to black. So it just leaves you thinking, oh, God, some something bad. is just bad Yeah. Who's who's it going to be? Yeah, yeah. You just I don't think he used it anyone... again. It's similar. It's similar again to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, except um, in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, people don't like explode. Um. Yeah. Which they do in this movie a lot. Yeah. yeah the, the makeup effects are really good, especially in the in the um, blood test scene. Oh, yeah. How are that? Oh, but um. Anyway, no. The thing is, um, I think it's great. Yeah, um, and that it's is why it, was, it is at number three. But number two and number one are, let's be honest, bloody bloody hard to beat. Yeah. Um, no, what's number two? So number two is uh, Close Encounters of the Bear Kind. No, sorry, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, yes. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is um. <sighs> I mean, Spielberg again, two Spielbergs in one list. Um, But it's got to be done because he has made two of the most uh, iconic alien films. But this is better than E.T. It is better than most films Spielberg has made, I think. Um, It is a glorious film about the need to find out what's going on and to escape from a situation you know it's also a film about like Spielberg like processing the trauma of his parents divorce or whatever yeah uh, which also and, E.T. does look at a little bit as well yeah so there's, there's there's shit going on in there and um Javis is um is good um and the um you know the narrative is, is thrilling on the side of the the sort of the the the, the search for the meaning of, of this um alien presence you know and um that's where the the truffo character and and you know it comes in you know the french guy as uh, investigating all the all the goings on um you know that there's this kind of a fast-paced like governmental thing happening on the other on the other side but isn't it funny watching it now where at the end of the film it's like the government have to come up with some fake reason to seal off the area and they and they talk about like a disease or a pandemic yeah. or something or it, it, It's or, or, and everyone has to like wear protective gear and you know you can't get you can't get it and then everyone's like no it's bullshit it's a conspiracy and i'm like oh yeah well, it, this time you're right but d- no not in 2020 um you know um so that's just like a funny little detail um but um it's um It's so interesting as well that he chose to make it a film about communication and sharing of information and the enthusiasm to meet and to explore one another's cultures and beings rather than, you know, a film about, um, you know, a film about aliens eating people or, um, it being, you know, practically every film we've mentioned apart from, um, I guess apart from like Starman, Brother from Another Planet and E.T., like every other film has aliens getting up to some kind of shenanigans that involves like killing people on this list. Yeah. Um, So it's like, that's, you know, two thirds of the films are about conflict and about death and gore and, you know, because aliens are scary. And of course that makes sense. But what I love about Close Encounters is it manages to stay thrilling while being a benevolent, carrying this benevolent message and being about, on both the alien side and the human side, a search for understanding, um, yeah. uh, based not on conflict, you know, on on resolving a conflict, but just on figuring out, like, who are we? Who are, who are all these who people? Who are you, people? <laughs> and um, and that's why the music thing is so moving. That simple, <laughs> um, yeah, the simple um, communication back and forth with the music is so so lovely. Um and yeah, that bit where the the mothership then gives off the big bomb bomb note that blows out all the screens and everything is so so brilliant. Um and um and that last scene lasts for a long time. Like I've watched this film with people who think it's really boring, but I just I love it. I think I think there's so much um there's so much sort of spectacle and wonder that's the word you always apply to Steven Spielberg sense of wonder. And that's what um, that's what Close Encounters has in spades. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I think I didn't, I didn't appreciate it as much the first time I watched it, but I think watching it again, probably with you and a few other people, I, I, I think I liked it a little bit even more. I think I, I I, I can see why this movie is held up pretty high in in um, sort of, you know, the world of sci-fi and, you know, the rest of Spielberg's filmography and things like that um, Do you want to find out who do you want to hear who was Spielberg's first choice for the Richard Dreyfus character? Oh, wow, no, who was that? Steve McQueen Interesting Yeah, apparently he was impressed with the script but he felt like he wasn't right for the role as he was unable to cry on cue Hmm <laughs> and um he looked Strong at other men also cry <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he uh, a lot of people who turned down, a few people who turned down the uh, the film james Kahn, dustin hoffman al pacino and gene hackman i'm glad none of those people are in the film the film would have a very different vibe with, yeah jack nicholson with he also turned it down because of scheduling conflicts yeah i think jack nicholson's too doesn't you need an everyman and that's what looks like every man yeah you need that kind of slightly american hokey kind of it would have been a good role for james stewart back in the day you know like it is um it actually would have been a great role for james stewart in the 1950s yeah gotta Um, find out what's going on at devil's tower you know well i'm just making these potatoes into Towers and the tower has got to mean something. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find answers, <laughs> yeah, and probably, yeah, I would love to do a closing hand remake with James Stewart, that would be that'd be amazing, yeah, with um, uh, what's his face as the Truffaut character from uh, John Renoir's films, John de Florette, forgot his name, French actor, John de Florette, John Renoir, wait, what? No, sorry, no, 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 uh. uh uh, Grand Illusion, the Grand Illusion, the uh, French actor in that film, very famous. Oh, Jean Gabin, yeah, Jean Gabin, yeah, Jean, Jean Gabin, that'd be great. Yeah, Jean Gabin, as a French guy chasing aliens. Look, I need to talk to the alien, and uh, James Stewart, and then um, uh, the Terry garr character could be played by um, Vera Miles, Tim Novak, or someone, or Vera Vera Miles, perfect. Yes, and um, yeah, great. Yeah. Um the one of the producers on the film Julia Phillips. She was um she was one of the first I think she was like the first uh, female producer to win Best Picture. That was for the for uh, The Sting, but uh, she wrote a very famous tell all uh, memoir called You'll Never Eat Lunch in This Town Again. Oh. Any juicy tidbits in that memoir? Uh I haven't read it, but um, it's That's it it does right. bring up the the casting couch and things like that. Yeah. Well, ugh. um, Hollywood. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she was apparently she was fired from the film during post production due to uh, uh, a cocaine addiction. And um, she I, was I, fired from Close Encounters. No, she. Yeah, she was fired from Close Encounters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, she had she had some very profane remarks to say about Spielberg, Vilmos Zygmunt, who won an Oscar for cinematography and Truffaut. Oh, gosh. I didn't know there was all this spice in the background of the first encounters. How interesting. Well, yeah, cuz he didn't he didn't exactly have final cut on this film. yet. I think he 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 was there's like three different versions of this movie. There's like the theatrical version then the special edition and then the du- director's cut. Hmm. Mm. which I think, I don't know, I think the DVD that we have has all three versions, so you can watch that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I think I've probably seen a couple of different versions, but they're all good. Um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of okay. a film that has about two different versions, uh, number one is Ridley Scott's sci-fi classic, Alien. Yes, number one is Alien. I think it is... Uh, we are now back to aliens killing people um it is the best aliens killing people um uh of the lot it is the most shocking it has the most uh terrifying alien it has also the most um brilliant cast um from koto to uh um to to, to tom Skerritt to harry dean stanton and of course sigourney weaver who's incredible yeah Um, i mean there's there's the thing that about Sigourney Weaver's Ripley apparently the, the role was written for a man but then Ridley Scott cast Sigourney Weaver and but they didn't change any of the dialogue right yeah there's a brilliant decision brilliant decision and um and uh she's just so so good in it and um yeah. I, I I I love the um I, I love her her presence uh and her you know her brand of like Feminism that she displays mm-hmm. through the character, but also in the choices she made in the film, like the famous scene at the end where she's in her underwear and everyone was like, You have to shave and you have to be all presentable. And she was like, Fuck off. And so they had to do all yeah. this like airbrushing afterwards and stuff. And, um, and I, um, and of course, like, I mean, I think we can kind of lump this one in a little bit with the sequel. The fact that the sequel is so good, the fact that she comes back and does such a brilliant job in it, yeah, um, is, um, you know another another great and, and with a different director with a very different director yeah James um, Cameron is uh is, is huge testimony to her and to that then obviously to the writing and execution of that second film but the first one is just I mean I, when I first saw it I saw it at the Prince Charles Cinema in London uh as obviously as a I'm not that old as a rerun um and um on a big screen it is magnificent and um it is terrifying and um uh, but just full of uh, full of iconic moments. As is the second. I mean, both films have these kind of like punch the air moments and these one liners and yeah. And, so, and I really feel like they're so influential. Like when you look at subsequent kind of sci-fi horror action movies. I mean, if I, I even even in, the, in like the second film's case, like in the world of video games, like the way yeah the game geography has developed, I'm sure owes a debt to that film, like in the way that, you know, the storytelling within, you know, probably usually like role-playing, like first-person shooter games, like feels like very informed by that movie. But um, I love the claustrophobia of the first one. I love the, the fact that you can't trust different people and the fact that there's this there's this element in both films that are trying to do what we talked about in Nope. They're trying to tame the untamable. They're trying to play yeah. God. They're trying to, um, you it's know, got, it's uh, got something to say about corporations and the way that it treats their workers. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. essentially Wayland yutani is Amazon in the film. Right. Right. Um, or so, Starbucks because yeah. Starbucks hates unions. Well, Amazon's no fan of them either, let me tell you that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, in regards to like what you were saying about claustrophobia, the production design on the movie is fantastic. And I feel like it was the first, I would maybe one of the first sci-fi films that was able to bring like a real dirty aspect to bullshit. science fiction and very sort of dystopian. Because, you know, when you see like things from the 1950s, it's like hover cars, the Jetsons, everything's clean. And in this, it's like, it's dirty, it's rotten, it's bad. it's blech. Yeah, and it's all broken and like old and yeah. No that's very uh, that's a very good point. Um yeah, alien is is terrific. Um it's about to get a lot louder here because the clouds have started to um yeah, be uh, to be to move in which is obviously making me think about Note, but I think we're also getting some thunder so um I might have to get off here but um why don't you run through the list again and um yeah, and tell the people what the top 10 alien films are according to us but remember list of bullshit including yes. this one so don't Don't get angry at us. And also don't get angry at us because none of you fucking wrote to us this week. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So at number 10 is Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for you to say that. Um, Number nine, Attack the Block. Number eight, Starman. Number seven, Brother from Another Planet. Number six, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Number five, ET. Number four, Men in Black. Number three, John Carpenter's The Thing. Number two, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Number one, Alien. And uh, as a little final thing, I actually do have the screenwriter's book, Dan O'Bannon's Guide to Screenplay and Structure. Okay. Oh, he wrote Alien. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was like, yes, I didn't see the connection there for a second. Oh, right, brilliant. Well done. Yeah. Dan O'Bannon, he wrote the film and he also worked on uh, Return of the Living Dead, which is an absolute classic. Well, good stuff. Well, um, that was fun. Um, yeah. I'm going to go and look at clouds and uh, worry what's up there. And uh, I'll see you soon. Yes, I shall see you soon. And uh, do look uh, forward to our next uh, top 10, whenever that is going to be. I am going to, I don't know if we'll, we might have an episode next week or when, you know, at some point um, it's just, I'm going to be quite busy working on sort of film, various film projects as a sound recorder. So we may be, I might we be. We may off. or may not be back soon. Yeah. Yeah. I've got stuff going on as well. So let's just see. You know, play it by ear. Yeah. And uh, at least in the meantime, people can chew on this episode. Yeah, exactly. You know, and check out some of the films that we've talked about. And uh, yeah. So that's all good. Yes. And, well, thank you very much for listening to this episode. You can, yeah, send us an email homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Fabricius91. Adam is Northampton Dane. We're both on Instagram and Letterboxd and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah. Keep watching the skis. Skies. You've gotta be fucking kidding. Is that your joke or is that from something? It's a Simpsons reference. Oh right. Yeah. It's the it's the X it's the X-Files episode. Oh, which, which wow. Leonard Nimoy is in. Yes. And uh which has some some very, very funny Homer moments. Yeah. Yes. Um it's not it's that little area of the Simpsons where it starts to sort of tip into silliness. Um, but there's still a lot of good stuff okay um and we can't we can sit here for hours and talk about that we're not gonna yeah. do that we're going go right. have my lunch you're gonna go and uh do whatever it is you do yeah i need to go do a bit of food shopping so dinner time is coming dinner time looms all right fine yes. well, have, have a great evening see you soon man see you later guys bye, bye. game over man it's game over what the fuck are we gonna do now what do we do why don't we just Wait here for a little while, see what happens.